More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Buck. With me, my main man, Clay, breaking it all down for you. The phone lines are open, 800-282-2882. If you have a story of insane COVID authority... Maybe we could take that later on in the hour. You know, if you've got them telling you, if you've been yelled at by somebody recently to pull your mask up while their mask was, you know, down by their feet, we want to hear about it. We want to hear about the craziest stuff you've seen. Because with us now is a man who has been in the crosshairs of the Fauciites all along, Alex Berenson. He was formerly a New York Times reporter. He is the author of the very excellent Untold Truths About COVID-19, a three-part series. You can get all of it on Amazon, assuming they haven't tried to pull it off of Amazon. Alex, great to have you, man. It's good to be with you. I want to ask you, what is the stuff about... So Clay and I always talk about how we are not uh, part of the suppression suppression apparatus, or we're not covered by it, I mean... Insofar as we do radio, so people will hear what you say. They cannot stop you here. There's no algorithm that shuts it down. What do you want to say about where we are right now with vaccines that you're not supposed to say, but that you truly and firmly believe? So, uh, so that's a great question, um, Buck. And and you know, I want to say I now have direct a direct outlet too, which is there's a there's a platform called Substack, a publishing platform, which a, a number of sort of independent and, and some conservative journalists have gone to recently, which, uh, you know, like a Glenn Greenwald who's not conservative or a Matt Taibbi who's not conservative. Um, so I'm on there now. Uh, it's again, the, 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 the publishing, uh, platform is called Substack and mine is just unreported truths. If you, if you put in Alex Berenson, you'll find it. And I, I, I feel the need to say that because you know, I was censored by Amazon last year, and I am on Twitter, and they've been pretty good, but I'm aware that they, you know, they could decide to, to pull the plug on me if they wanted. Okay, so now now that I got that out of the way. Here's what I think about the vaccines, and you can read what I think in an uncaricatured way at that site, okay, at Substack. You can read the newsletters. Um, 
I think the vaccines have a very complicated risk-benefit analysis. This is not me being a conspiracy theorist. I'm not talking about 5G or graphene oxide or anything like that. What I'm saying is these are complicated uh, pharmaceutical products. I mean, uh, they, 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 they basically are technology that's never really you know, been, been used on a wide scale until the last few months. Um, we don't know how well they work. We don't know how long they work. We don't really know what the side effect profile is. Um, and we don't, and we, and we, and we know that COVID is far, far, far more dangerous to older people and to really obese people, to people with severe comorbidities than everybody else. So what happened when these came out last year, when the clinical trial data came out and they showed supposedly 95% efficacy, there was a push by all the people who pushed everything else last year, like masks and lockdowns and school closures. We're going to make everybody get these. And guess what? It turns out that the math is a lot more complicated than anybody realized, although people should have realized it at the time. And that there's, a, you know, that it appears that the side effects for, you know, healthy young men, they can get myocarditis. Young women can have these terrible blood clotting disorders. Um, these are rare, but COVID is also not very dangerous to those people. And so for people, let's say 16 over, 70 and over, the risk benefits of the vaccine looks pretty good. Not as good as we thought at first, but but pretty good. But for everybody else, it's far more complicated. And instead of being honest about that, the public health establishment has not been telling the truth about it. And, you know, two months ago, they were trying to, and I use the word sucker, and I will use it again. They were trying to sucker people with lotteries and stuff like that, get younger people at low risk to get these. Now they're getting angry and they're threatening mandates. Alex, uh, this is Clay Travis. I appreciate all the work you've done over the past years, and I've had you on a few times as well. Glad you're on with us here. So I want to focus on uh, kids for a minute here. There's a big study that came out from England, and I know you synthesized that study, but I I got three kids. I know you have kids too. I've got a 13-year-old, I've got a 10-year-old, and I've got a 6-year-old. To me, you talk about the risk-benefit, cost-benefit analysis. There is no way to justify based on all the data that I have seen, young children being given this vaccine for a virus that literally, essentially, has a 0% danger to them. Can you quantify, because there's a lot of parents and grandparents out there, can you quantify the risk analysis that you think parents should go through as it pertains to kids in particular and this vaccine? Sure. So the British data uh, is is quite good. Uh, Britain has 12 million people under the age of 18, uh, they reported 61 deaths from COVID, which, okay, that would be one in 200,000, which is pretty low, but the real number is lower than that. Uh, because when they actually looked at deaths, they found that only 25 of those could be linked to COVID. So that's even lower. Then when they looked at who those 25 kids were, they found that 13 had what they called complex uh, neurodegenerative uh, disorders. Um, you know, these are kids with severe, uh, you know, severe uh, birth defects, probably. Um, so now we're down to 12. And then when they looked at those 12, they found that only six, only six out of 12 million children or young adults in Britain, children or teens in Britain who were previously healthy had died of COVID in the first year of the epidemic. And Britain had a bad COVID epidemic, as bad as the U.S. So that's one in two million. So, so why on earth would we be encouraging children or young adults to get a vaccine, even if it had no risks? for, uh, you know, for, for an illness that's that rare. And the fact is, this doesn't have no risks. There are many, many 
cases of myocarditis, which is a heart inflammation, which can be quite serious. It can be mild. It can also be quite serious that have already shown up in, uh, in the vaccine side effect reporting database. Alex, so it seems not, it seems. Sorry. Can I ask you about, about this? Just when you talk about the kids, because de Blasio, the mayor here in New York, uh, just said that he even though the CDC says vaccinated kids shouldn't have to mask up, the, the policy right now is masking in the schools. And, you know, masking is my uh, it is my white whale. I mean, it's the thing that I, I will never concede, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um is is this just because over anxious adults like the t- the teachers, the teachers union folks don't want to be exposed to the kids that may give them the virus? I mean, is that there because otherwise it does seem completely insane or are they really saying the one in a million risk to kids is too high? Which is it? No, I mean, it's, it's completely insane because even if there were a higher risk, masks would do nothing. OK. And in the last year, unfortunately, what I've concluded about masks is that is that the people in the public health establishment view masks. They know that masks are useless. Anybody who's looked at the data at all can, can see that masks are useless. Masks are a symbol, okay? This epidemic essentially ended on the day that the CDC said people who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks because everybody stopped wearing masks, whether you're vaccinated or not. And when you don't see people masked, it is hard to remember to be afraid of this thing that, um, you know, that's never put anybody in the hospital that, you know, that's never killed anybody that, you know, or maybe, you know, it killed your 83 year old grandmother who had Alzheimer's. The 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 risks of covid are, are, are you know, aside again from that fraction of people who, who are who are very elderly or very obese, um, you know, are just so low that it's impossible for anybody to stay scared of it. And that's why we have to keep justifying these measures. But and, and look, masks are problematic. But to me, vaccines are much more problematic because a vaccine is not, you know, it's not a piece of cloth you can take off. It is something that's being injected to you. And we should know what the risks really are if we're going to mandate that. Alex, I know you have young kids. Uh, I have said my wife's agreed we're not going to get our kids vaccinated. We have one who theoretically might be eligible now. He's 13. Uh, Buck and I have been open on this show. We both have had COVID ourselves. I've been out and uh, I still have COVID antibodies. So personally, I don't see the point of me getting a vaccine when I already have the antibodies that the vaccine would be designed to give me. Some people out, I mean, and I think that's a pretty logical perspective. Now, some people out there will will label that that kind of opinion anti-vax, and that's not accurate. And I think it's true for you too. There are vaccines that children should get, and my kids got all of the measles, mumps, rubella, all of those vaccines. But this is different, right? And 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 what you're saying is we should actually be looking at the logic and the analysis as opposed to just accepting what we're being told. That, that's absolutely right. It's absolutely different. It works differently. It's like no other vaccine. It's being pushed like no other vaccine. And, I, and the two points you raise are actually the two points that, and again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but they're the two points that come up the most that have, that have the least good answers. One is, why would we push kids to be vaccinated? And two, why aren't we telling people who have had COVID, who know they've had, had, you know, had COVID with a positive test and with antibodies, why are we telling those people to get vaccinated? They're, Natural immunity works. And and when they have studied this, okay, when they've looked at large samples of people who've been, uh, you know, who've, who, who have gotten COVID and looked at reinfection rates, they are as low as reinfection as infection rates for the vaccine at the what? peak of vaccine efficacy. Alex, I mean, can I ask why? Why can't Fauci? Sorry, there, there's a million things as you're talking that I want to ask you, but I also don't want to interrupt your flow. And, you know, we're going to have to take a, a quick commercial break, Alex, and we'll keep you through. 
But uh, one question I want I want to put out there, and then and then we can address it on the on the other side. Um, would be why is it that we can't get a straight answer about naturally derived immunity from the public health authorities? But but put a pin in that for Alex for one second. We're going to keep you through, yep. and we're going to address this on the other side. And you know, it wasn't long ago that Clay and I met the inventors, uh, the inventor rather of my pillow, Mike Lindell. He's incredible. I mean, his products are amazing. And hands down, one of the favorites of all of them for me is the Giza Dream sheets. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton. They're ultra soft, extremely durable. I've got them on my bed right now. And Mike wants our listeners to see for themselves how incredibly these sheets really are. I know, Clay, you've got them, too. These are the only sheets that we have. That's right. And they're on not only my bed, but also all my kids' beds all throughout the house, guest bedrooms, everywhere else. The Giza Dream Sheets, Dream sheets are right now phenomenal. And they are right now at an incredible price. Two for one plus free shipping with the promo code Clay and Buck. Remember, 60 day money back guarantee. But all you have to do is go to mypillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials to check out this low price offer on the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll find deep discounts on other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code Clay and Buck or call 800 792 3269 for these great radio specials. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are talking right now with Alex Berenson, who has done an amazing job of covering the COVID insanity over the past year and a half. And uh, it feels a little bit like uh, every time we talk, and I know you feel like this sometimes, Alex, as well, and Buck, too, that, you know, this is like, it's like you're cutting through all of the, what I would call cosmetic theater that has surrounded so much of COVID and actually discussing data, which the big tech companies to a large extent don't want, and certainly mainstream media doesn't want. So I appreciate you being on with us, Alex, and continuing to do this work. And I want to build on what Buck was just talking about as we went to break and, and reemphasize. Buck and I have both had COVID. We are part of probably, I know you look at the data too, Alex, around 100 million people, and that might be conservative in the United States, who have had COVID and gotten over it. No one seems willing to even talk about people like us who know we have COVID antibodies, who had COVID, and it doesn't really make any sense for us to go get the vaccine. Why does no one talk about the 100 million conservative, that's a conservative number, in this country who've already had COVID? I mean, that's another great question. I, I, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, all I'm trying to do is look at what the data says about whether or not people like you have good immunity. And the answer to that question is yes, it's probably better than vaccine-generated immunity because we know it's broader than vaccine-generated immunity. The vaccines only cause your body to produce the spike protein, so you're only getting antibodies against part of the virus. And in fact, it's not even the whole spike. It looks like that for some reason the antibodies are mainly to one part of the protein called the receptor binding domain. Whereas if you get sick with COVID, you have antibodies against this whole spike and against other parts of the virus. And so it's reasonable to assume that those would last longer and be more resistant to mutations. Okay. And then there's other work that's been done showing that it may even be detrimental for you if you're young and relatively healthy and have had COVID to get the vaccine, essentially because the vaccine can cause your body to kind of go into overdrive and, and actually burn out some of your T cells. Now, I'm not going to, that, that's very complicated technically, and I don't claim to fully understand it, but the, but the papers that I've read do say that. 
The Cleveland Clinic had a report, right, Alex, where they basically said that if you had to choose between the two, that natural immunity, meaning you got the virus itself, as opposed to vaccine-based immunity, meaning you get the vaccine, the natural immunity of getting COVID provides more protection than the vaccine would in that scenario. That's absolutely correct. And then to go to your point about why aren't we talking about this, the Cleveland Clinic essentially had to backtrack. They had to say, you know what, we're not really saying this. And, and the reason it came up was they were arguing, well, maybe we should prioritize people who haven't had the vaccine right. um, to get doses. And, 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 and because this was a little bit too honest, they had to backtrack. I mean, this is something you see this. You see this happen repeatedly. This happened yesterday, believe it or not, with the World Health Organization. A, a top scientist at the World Health Organization said yesterday, we don't have good data on mixing doses. It's a mistake to mix doses, which is what they've been talking about doing in some countries. In other words, if you got the AstraZeneca vaccine, you can then get the Moderna vaccine later, even though we've never actually tested them in a clinical trial that way. And she, she just pointed out there's no data here. That's a mistake. Well, guess what? The vaccine fanatics got to her and she had to say, oh, I'm not saying that it's a mistake if national health authorities tell you to do it. I'm just saying it's a mistake if you do it yourself. This has happened over and over and over again in the last year, and it's why people are suspicious, and it's why people don't trust, you know, uh, Anthony Fauci, and it's why even though he attacked me directly a couple of days ago, um, you know, it didn't stop me from continuing to accumulate followers on Twitter, continuing to, you know, have people sign up for my Substack. People want information that they perceive as unfiltered and, and and that is unfiltered. And that's really what I'm trying to do. Alex Fauci's a little lab coat tyrant. I mean, I'll just say it. I, I'm I'm fond of pointing out that this guy really should be paid by MSNBC or CNN and, and not NIH. But I, I, I want to ask you more specifically, other than just taking taking a shot at Fauci, who deserves, I think, all the ire that I throw at him. Um, why is it that we don't hear more about whether there's going to be boosters or not? Because that should factor very directly into, you know, it seems like there's the 90 percent number they came up with. And Biden recently said, OK, we didn't hit it by Fourth of July. And everyone's kind of ignoring. I mean, normal people now. And I also would posit to you that that there's an anxiety disorder this has created that is affecting millions and millions of people that COVID is there's essentially a COVID-19 anxiety issue where people now are no longer rational or reasonable but what about the boosters? I mean, are we going to need them or not? And how can they not know? Um, I think it looks like we're going to need them. Um, uh, either we're going to need them or we're just going to have to accept vaccine failure. Because if, if you look at Israel and the U.K., which are the countries that led, okay, they led the way in, uh, in vaccinations. They were faster than we were. Um, those countries have seen huge spikes in positive tests and cases in the last four weeks or so. Um, and so, and they haven't seen huge spikes in deaths or hospitalizations. And there's a number of possible reasons for that, including, let's be honest, including one that the vaccines might be offering partial protection, even to people who are getting, um, COVID. And so they're not winding up in the hospital, but that's only one possible reason. But it is clear now that the 95% figure that was thrown around last year is not, is not accurate. Okay. It's, it's not accurate because at the beginning, believe it or not, you're more likely to get COVID immediately after your first dose. Then if you, know, if you go through and you have your second dose, you do enter a window where you have pretty good protection, but that window doesn't appear to last that long. And, and those countries are seeing that right now. We're going to so, bring you back for one more segment if we can, Alex, because right. people are loading us down with questions. We appreciate the time. And I want to tell you as we go to break here, 
9-11 almost 20 years ago now, and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they are carrying forward a legacy of courage and heroism. To mark 20 years, Tunnel to Towers is gifting America's heroes and their families with 200 mortgage-free homes. And to honor the fallen, Chairman and CEO Frank Siller is going to be walking more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days. From the Pentagon to Shanksville, culminating at ground zero on 9-11, Towers of Light return to the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials in remembrance. And on Veterans Day, another first, the soldiers we lost in the war on terror are having their names read aloud. This is the time to definitely remember the words never forget. They require action. Do good and take action now. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number T, number two, T.org. Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the Golden EIB microphone. It's a new podcast hosted by yours truly, James Golden, or, as many of you know me, Bo Snurdly, I'm going to take you behind the scenes for an intimate look at the man, Rush Limbaugh, who changed America as we know it. On iHeart or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, presented by MyPillow and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. 
Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. And, of course, you just heard there about Mr. Snurdly's podcast. Do check it out. James is a great guy, great American, and I know you all know and love him. So check out his podcast when you get a chance. We have Alex Berenson, whose Substack you will love if you subscribe, if you care about COVID matters and the truth. He is with us now. Alex, we wanted to sort of focus for our last few minutes here with you on where we go now, because you're seeing more and more people, notably the former Planned Parenthood director, which I'll just put that aside for a second, went on CNN and said we should make life uncomfortable for the unvaccinated. More people are talking about mandates. The Biden administration seems to want to use the private sector as their cat's paw, in a sense, as their instruments here to get people to get vaccinated. Where is this all going as you see it? I mean, that is a that is a great question. And it's funny, people, you know, people don't understand me at all. Certainly the people on the left don't understand me. And, they, you know, they, they like to say that I, that I've secretly been vaccinated. I, I said it on Twitter yesterday. I'll say it to you. I've not been vaccinated. I don't want this. I don't know how long it lasts. I don't know what the side effects might be. I'm perfectly comfortable that if I hadn't already gotten covid, that I'll be fine if I get it. So there's lots and lots of people like me and you and Clay who who just aren't interested in this. And maybe in a few months or a few years, we'll make our own decision about it and we'll get there and that will be fine. But for the government to force this and to force it on children is insane. And we are seeing, yeah, we're seeing now because half the working age population doesn't want to be vaccinated and because it looks like the parents of 60 or 70 or 80% of kids don't want them vaccinated, there's a sort of increasing fanaticism on the other side. And they don't seem to understand what the point of all of this was, which was to get us back to normal life. You know, COVID is not something that's going to go away forever. We're going to have to manage it. We are managing it. Life is going on. And the people who, you know, could benefit the most from vaccines have almost universally gotten them now. And it's funny to me when people say, oh, you know, uh, that I benefit, you know, from this fight. If, if they drop this, if the Biden administration dropped these efforts, my audience would go away tomorrow. At least, you know, a lot of it would. It's because they're forcing this or trying or quasi forcing it. As I say, they're using companies, they're using states, they're using uh, educational institutions. They're doing everything they can short of a national mandate to push this, that they're having such pushback, especially when they can't answer the questions that you asked earlier. Why, if I've had this, would I be vaccinated? Why should my kids who are at low risk be vaccinated? They don't have good answers for those questions. I think they've just sort of, you know, they've just forgotten what the point of all of this is supposed to be. And we saw in France yesterday, France took a big step towards becoming the first Western country, the first big Western country to have a quasi mandate. They're going to make it very difficult for people who aren't vaccinated uh, to go out. You're going to have to get tested all the time. And I guarantee you that in the White House, they're watching that and watching to see what the reaction is going to be, because because they they won't acknowledge what they won't acknowledge the mistakes they've made and they won't acknowledge that the questions about these vaccines are real and legitimate i got a good email the other day and i'm curious what you would say in response to this person alex um emailed me and said hey i'm gonna be a college freshman i've already had covid um i have no issues at all with health i had covid and it wasn't a very significant issue this is the person who emailed me they said my university is requiring that I get the COVID vaccine. If I don't get the COVID vaccine, and if I try to come up with a medical reason why I don't want to do that, they're going to require me to wear a mask, you know, sort of scarlet letter label me in some way in all my classrooms. And as, as a guy who was writing me, 
And I was, you know, he was kind of like, look, I'm 18. I want to meet girls and like I want to have a normal right. college experience. Right. And I don't want to be sitting in the classroom like, you know, this uh, this reprobate, this scarlet lettered mask wearer. What would you say? Uh, and it's an interesting question. I haven't responded to him yet. But what would you say to people out there who are having to make decisions like these because of their institutions or their employers? That, as Buck said, you're sort of getting a backdoor government mandate because Fauci is encouraging all these universities and all these employers to try and require it as a condition of uh, going to school or working. I mean, I, I've sort of, I've gotten, I get that question a lot too, and I've sort of been dodging it because I don't have a good answer. Um, yeah. You know, it, lo- it looks like uh, the lawsuits that are, you know, that are fighting vaccines or these quasi mandates are not, are not moving forward. They're not, they're not winning. I actually, that's one sub stack I really want to do is interview a lawyer to discuss, um, you know, why it is that these, these, uh, these lawsuits, there was a big loss in Houston, why it got tossed. Um, and so right now it looks like employers, the courts are giving employers and, uh, and schools discretion. Now, I think, I actually think if you're working, you have a little bit more flexibility because the labor market is so tight right now. And because so many adults of working age, uh, are not being vaccinated, but, but the schools, I mean, they're sort of saying my way or the highway. And, um, and it's very hard to know what to do. And I think a lot of students are just going to, you know, cross their fingers, get vaccinated and hope they don't get myocarditis or some other symptom. I, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to tell somebody who's 18, give up a year of schooling and hope things get better, especially because it does look like eventually these will get full approval. Now, the FDA has been slow, and I think that's very interesting. I think I do wonder if they're pushing the companies for more data, if they have questions about the boosters and long-term efficacy. I wonder if there's some pushback happening inside the FDA that we're not seeing. But it is likely that full approval is coming, and then the pressure is going to get even worse. Alex, do you think that we're going to be in a, in a place where this coming winter – there will be another. I mean, we already had California recently, or at least Los Angeles County, start to say, "Oh, mask mandate indoors." We've heard about the Delta variant, and then the you know we're ready for the Lambda variant, and you know whatever comes after that in the Greek alphabet. We all know that this is where this is going. <laughs> do you think? Ask. Yeah. Do you think that we could be at a place in November, in December of this year, where at least some states and some companies are saying we're back in a quasi lockdown status? I, you know, I, I hope not. The reason I think not is that if you look at the UK and actually Scotland, which had a very strict lockdown policy for much of last year, they've kind of quietly thrown up their hands. So, so cases went way up in the last few weeks. They've, you know, they, they had a huge lockdown. They vaccinated as many people as they could. As I've said from the beginning, virus going to virus. Okay. So they had a big spike in cases. And they did not go back into lockdown. In fact, in fact, Britain is having what they are calling Freedom Day, where every restriction is being dropped on July 19th. And and I think it is possible that without admitting it, they that 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 you know the United States will. I mean, we've pretty much led the way on that. So I think it's hard to back people down again. I hope. Last question for you, because I do think this is going to turn into a monster battle as we go forward. Mask wearing for kids in school. There is no scientific data whatsoever to support it. It is cosmetic theater of the absurd. I don't know if you watched last night the home run derby. To me, this kind of was a great metaphor. The entire stadium is maskless. None of the players are wearing masks. None of the pitchers. None of that scenario. They've got the kids who are trying to field home run balls in the outfield, Alex, wearing masks in Denver. This idea that New York City or L.A. or California and New York are going to make kids wear masks, 
is one of the most patently indefensible from a scientific perspective rulings that I've ever seen. Will there be protest against that stupidity or are those parents going to be so excited their kids are back in school they won't care? I think more the latter, and I think, you know, I, I don't know how your kids feel about it. My kids don't really care about the masks. I mean, they wear they actually wear them sometimes on their own now. They're like, I mean, I, I tell them to take them off, right? Yeah. But they, they've gotten used to it. It's sort of stupid. I don't like it. But I'd much rather have them wear a useless mask than be forced to be vaccinated, if that's the choice. And, you know, I, I think I think we're going to have to keep fighting. And, you know, it's funny. I've been put, sort of put in this position. This has taken over my life the last year and a half, and it's not going anywhere. And I feel... You know, I used to joke about it. It's not a joke anymore. I'm like a class trader, right? I went to Yale. I worked for the New York Times. But I've been, you know, I've been sort of pushed into a position where a lot of people who I used to know won't talk to me anymore. But, I, you know, the data is what it is. And yeah. we are going to have to keep telling people whether they like it or not. Check out Alex's Substack, everybody. Alex Berenson, subscribe to it. And you can pick up unreported truths about COVID on Amazon. Get them while you can. Alex, we both... Really You've appreciate your work, work on this. Alex. Yeah, we've been having you on, as you know. Clay and I have both had you on now for over a year to tell the audience as much of the truth as we can actually get out there. So thank you for your work. It's always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. All right, Clay, we're going to get into some calls here in just a moment. People got a lot of thoughts on that. I, I know we spent extra time, with it, but you know what, Clay? This is, you know what the big challenge for, for a lot of folks is, I think, on this issue when they try to get information? Not enough time for nuance. And I feel like here, when we got a deep dive, we got to just hop on in, do that cannonball. One of the reasons that I wanted to take the show, and I know this is true with you as well, Buck, we both had successful shows we were doing, is to be able to share factual data that is being covered up, frankly, by the mainstream media. You can't hear that conversation anywhere else. You may not even be able to share it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anywhere else. Live radio in this era, what I would call of unprecedented censorship is one of the last direct ways you can still talk to the masses. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's why I think it's so wildly important. We'll get to some of your calls in just a moment. 800-282-2882. There is a rapidly rising cybercrime out there that Clay and I want you to be really aware of. It's called home title theft, and it's very easy. Here's what happens. The bad guys, they find your home's title because it exists online. And then they just forge your signature, have a quit claim deed made up, and then they make it seem like you sold your home to them. Then they take out loans against that home. And you find out about this when the cyber criminals, after they've had maybe 90 days of getting checks in the mail, you get stuck with the payments or even a foreclosure notice. Clay, that's why we want them to protect themselves with home title lock. That's why we have Home Title Lock. It is the instant, because the instant Home Title Lock detects anybody tampering with our home's titles, they can help shut it down. And we want to get you protected today as well. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and enter radio for 30 days of free protection. That's promo code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. want to encourage you to go subscribe to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton podcast. Give us some five-star reviews. We'll read the funniest, the most entertaining out there. Uh, as we are breaking down Jim Crow 2.0, in quotation marks, we should put that, because that is what Jim Biden, uh, Joe, Jim Biden, that's what Joe Biden is calling the ridiculous uh, scenarios that the Democrats are trying to spin right now. And here is my theory, Buck. 
I just and I understand your argument of don't presume that they're even capable of playing chess right now. I think they are trying to distract. The Democratic Party is right now. They are in the throes of a major budgetary battle. Bernie Sanders wants a six trillion dollar budget, the likes of which we've never seen before. Moderates in the Senate are saying they might only go for two and a half or three trillion. That's a massive difference. And as all of this is taking place right now in D.C., suddenly Biden travels out of D.C. to go to Philadelphia to give a speech uniting the overall Democratic game plan of everything is racist to try to distract from what is becoming a pretty readily apparent Democratic civil war over budgetary issues, over crime, over really all of Joe Biden's uh, theoretical game plan here there are massive battles not external but internal in the democratic party and i think they're trying to rally the troops by just once more saying hey remember remember how racist the republicans are and hope that nobody's noticing what's going on with the budget right now but the budget is going to be something we only know about if the media covers it and they're not going to cover it in a way that makes it seem like there's some important i mean you're right there's there's it's a mess right what you're saying is true but I'm I'm trying to see how it is that I mean what you're saying about the budget being a back and forth between Democrats, but they know the media is never going to make that look like it's as as you said a civil war or anything else. So may, maybe there's just disjointed uh, there's just disjointed messaging right now um, because the Democrats are flailing because the first six months of the Biden administration is a mess. I mean that that's a, that's the that's an alternative explanation. And as you and I both agree, they view. Republicans are racist as the one that is the one great uniter. And that then that then translates into voting rights issues and crime issues, everything else. That's, so that's their what they always... entire game plan. And it's going to get even worse with Kamala Harris being the nominee, because if she's not the nominee, guess what? She's going to be able to say that the Democratic Party is racist and sexist because they didn't pick a black woman to be their nominee. This is assuming that they can't weekend at Bernie style drag Joe Biden I'm, I'm thinking uh, out as the nominee again. I'm thinking it's going to be weekend at Bernie's part you three. You think part two? I, I, or I think they already made it too. Did they make yeah. it? Part, I well, think they yeah. made a sequel. Which So this is part three if, and four or whatever? Yeah, if you saw the original, there should have been no sequel. But yeah. no, I, I, I do believe that they're, they're so worried at this point about Kamala's Look, they used to talk about the lack of likability with Hillary Clinton, which was but her whole thing was that it was extreme competence and executive, which I know was, you know, nonsense. But the point is, that was the story. That was the narrative with Kamala. You've got doesn't seem particularly likable on a political level, doesn't have that charisma, those retail uh, political skills. And exactly what has gone well that's been in her portfolio so far. I mean, we don't even talk about the border anymore, which is the worst it's ever been. And that was her issue until she realized this is a mess and I can't fix it. She's also awful on her feet, which is uh, a a massive story. And I still I, I understand people are like, oh, you can't talk about this. The fact that she was the side chick of Willie Brown in San Francisco that everybody just is like not even talking about. I mean, how is that? She was the girlfriend of a married man. And everybody just like, if she's going to be the front-facing candidate in 2024, I mean, how is that not a major story if the Democrats are going to try to trot her out? I know everybody's like, oh my God, you can't say that. That's like a big part of her resume in California. She was the girlfriend of a married man. I think that's kind of significant. Now, Trump maybe, but it may not be a great angle for Trump to be playing because not like his uh, his past history 
is in his private life stellar necessarily, but I think that's kind of a big deal. She's not good on her feet. She, ha- you know, like has not had really a very storied and accomplished career, and she uh, she managed in California to initially rise to power by being the side chick of the mayor. And it's like people won't even mention it. Like, to me, she's utterly incompetent. Well, Democrats certainly weren't fond of her during the primary, which was obvious, despite her saying, despite her saying it's clear I'm a top tier candidate, which was not clear from the actual voters. I remember she said that early on that remember the Democrats had those double debates that were going on too, you know, one one back to back. And she came out and said, it's clear I'm a top candidate. She's a top candidate in the green room of of CNN. And she's a top candidate if you were to pull the New York Times editorial page, maybe. But for the rest, I don't think so. So I do believe Biden is uh, is probably going to be the person they put forward. But look, that's a that's a ways off. We should dive into how do we get our freedom back now? How do we get rid of Fauciism, the mask mandates? They want to put masks on kids in the biggest school districts in America. That's what we're being told. Los Angeles, New York City, still mask mania running wild. Clay, we've got somebody who has been fearless from the very beginning on this one joining us in just a few minutes yeah that's going to be a lot of fun because there's a lot to dive in there alex berenson is his name I swear. yes by the way we should just go ahead and yes. say who it is uh and he's been driving people crazy by actually sharing facts what do you know that will be next coming up in just a moment of the clay travis and buck sexton show stay with us you're listening to clay travis and buck sexton on the eib network More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 